election day is coming up and it's important guys that we focus on our democracy as you all know it is under attack and this show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition with those midterms coming it's more important now than ever that we protect and fix our elections we all know our government's broken and we've had enough of this corruption the gridlock and the partisanship but if we work together we can fix things we partner with represent us a nonpartisan grassroots organization to give you the tools you need to get involved now until election day, there are opportunities to join a campaign to make our elections fairer, and you can even sign up to be a poll worker. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Hello, it is Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am great, and I, I just, I've never said it before, but our, our elections are very fair. We, we, we yeah, the, the biggest worry now is the people want to intimidate wearing guns and so forth in some of the states that allow it. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the idea that they aren't is ridiculous, of course. Correct. Uh, my wife is a use of volunteer now. They pay her, I think, a hundred and some odd dollars twice a year, twice election year, mm-hmm. and gets there at five in the morning, works her ass off till nine o'clock at night or whenever the last person votes. And then they get to clean up because there's a rec center there, or church or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. she'll, she definitely has political opinions. And does whatever she can to make sure that everyone has a chance to vote the right way and no one intimidates them, no matter who they're going to vote for. And, I, and she says, every other person is just like me. We just want it to be done right. Uh, there's some motherfuckers out there that don't. That is true. That is true. And so it's important, guys, that you get out there and you vote. You know, it's not just about the national election. Yes, of course, president matters. But your local uh, assemblymen, aldermen, uh, state senators, like all, you know, Council, town council members, all those things matter, right? So make sure you're out there and you're exercising your constitutional right to vote. All right, NBA season is underway. We're getting into our second week here. Lots of action happening. Uh, David, uh, it's Thursday. So last night we saw some ESPN games. Uh, we had Brooklyn and Milwaukee as the first game. And then we had Denver and the Lakers. And we had a couple other games on League Pass. I wanted to start with Brooklyn because, you know, in so many ways, like the Lakers, they're always a topic of conversation uh, because there's always so much going on uh, with, with those teams. You know, we're going to get to Ben Simmons and and all of that. I Brooklyn in that game to me, and I'd love to know what, what you saw as a coach. As usual, they started the game kind of slow. We're only down five after the first quarter. And I thought played well in the second quarter. And then for whatever reason, in quarter three, you know, Shit went off the rails. Nash got tossed out. And I remember because, you know, we have our true group chat. I texted the, the, us in the group and I said, uh, Ben Simmons' back looks to not be right. And you can always tell, yep. right, when someone's like walking or running like in a weird, upright, stiff manner and not bending over. I'm like, oh, this ain't good. And from that point on, you could just see his inability to do what he needs to do defensively, unlike when he played particularly well against Giannis in that preseason game. And you know, for this team to be good, as you said a bunch of times, he has to be what he was, right? That all-defensive uh, player and that all-star offensive player. And he's just not there right now. And now with – it was going to take time anyway because of the rust, 18 months. But now with the back on top of it, who knows if it'll ever get there this year. Did, did, uh, did he admit uh, – was the back thing uh, – Yes, okay. he said it after what? the game. He said he tweaked it. He's like, we'll know how I feel when I wake up in the morning because they have a game tonight in Brooklyn against Dallas. Ooh, so, oh, really? Yeah, tough back to back. All right, so I'm going to try to get a commitment from you. After, <laughs> after today, we are done with the Nets, Lakers, and Sixers until such time as they give us reason to talk about them in a positive way. That's let's, fair. Let's uh, air I'll, it out I'll today it. and bury their teams. They're, they're already burying <laughs> themselves. So with the Nets – uh, first of all, they lost to a really good team. I, I, I think that. foreshadowing to the last thing we'll do today, the best team I think right now is Milwaukee. Um, you can't play five on four and win. You know, you just can't play. The, the days, we've talked about this over the years at True Hoop, going back to when I was ESPN, the days of, of the quarterback, the guy that sets the table, so to speak, is a very quaint, lovely thought, but it just... <laughs> doesn't work against modern NBA defenses. It's five on four. It doesn't mean you have to score 30, but you got to score more than five. You've got to be weaponized. You have to force defenses to stretch to account for you 
which opens up other things. If they don't, you're scoring. They do, you move the ball. And back injury, rust, what you said, whatever. Mental uh, uh, lack of confidence for Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is he's just not a threat. And it's five on four when he's on the court. And then I, I put in the, one of the little things in our document, Gerard, uh, he's really terrible when paired with yes. bigs. For now, I don't know that yeah. it will always be that way, but, and I like Claxton a lot. But uh, yeah. yeah, but um, right now they got to play him exclusively as a five. And, uh, and then he's doing pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. The back issue, of course, is, uh, we'll see. I mean, injuries can happen to anyone. He's had back issues before. It's a, there's a lot to be concerned about in Brooklyn. For sure. I love that you brought that up because, you know, I think on Nets Twitter, a lot of the Nets fans are like, oh, my God, now you can't play him with Claxton because he's too – essentially now you're talking about five on three, right? Because Claxton isn't a threat to shoot either. Um, but defensively, you need Claxton on the floor, right, because of what he can do switch-wise. And first of all, this team's already bad rebounding. You take Claxton – you're even worse. And he's a good shot blocker, right? Now. And he's a very yeah. good shot blocker and rim protector. So they have to play together. The thing that I think is problematic right now, Coach, is that for what Ben is theoretically, not theoretically, we know and we've seen it, good at the pass ahead, playing with pace, the Nets don't do that. They're not playing with pace when he's on the floor. So you're making him even less effective, right? Like if he can't get the ball at the floor because he's got yeah. guys in the wings, well, then what, what are we doing? His, like if everybody's walking the ball across, yeah. this is That's terrible. That's his strength. We've written about it before. Um, so I have a question for you. Uh, did you ever see the movie Hoosiers? Yes. So uh, I, I lived Hoosiers. That, that my high school coach was a less <laughs> pleasant version of Gene Hackman, uh, Indiana guy. We, I'm telling you, some of their drills look like our practice. I mean that sincerely. It came out right after I graduated high school. So like we were all laughing about it. Um, so if you remember in the movie when things started to roll, Gene Hackman got himself kicked out of a game to let uh, Shooter take over but they were rolling and then he did that you can do that when your team is rolling position of strength um there's this is you're gonna laugh when i make this comparison but when anwar sadat uh, told his people about this first peace deal with israel it was following their first real successful war against them and in, the, in his one very famous speech he referenced like oh you people of september which was when the war happened when they basically attacked Israel during Yom Kippur and, um, and got a, a military advantage. But he kept referencing that success to, in order to pass this peace plan, so to speak. Uh, it's an old tried and true method, obviously. Well, the Nets aren't in positions of success. So what in the fuck was Steve Nash doing complaining about something Giannis does all the time, which is a slight, he didn't really clear him out. To me, it was definitely an offensive foul. But Nash acted as if someone burgled his home and punched his <laughs> wife or something. I, I couldn't believe it. I, was, I had the volume off because I had a number of games on. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought maybe I missed something, so I rewound that TV. Nope. It was just complaining about Giannis doing stuff he always does. And I thought, something's wrong. Like he, When you don't have the emotional maturity that you normally do, something's going on. I, yeah. it, did, it was not going to inspire his team. I like Jacques Vaughn's just fine. But I did not right. think that was a, a measure uh, that was that was calculated intelligently. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that. So in that game that happened in the third quarter, the Nets went into halftime up a dozen, right? And they, were, they played yeah. well in that second quarter. The lead started slipping, right? And the Nets started not to like a lot of the whistles they were getting, right? It's like, dude, this guy's committing offensive fouls. Call it, call it. And that play with Nash, right? It was like, to your point, but it – the mindset wasn't there, right? It's like, okay, that wasn't offensive ball, but that's the point when you are, your lead had shrunk from 12 to four, that wasn't the point to do it, right? But he, in his wisdom in that moment, he thought, all right, if I defend my guys now, maybe that'll inspire them to like, did not work, right? It, it, it had, I mean, I'm not going to say that that was the reason why they lost the game, but it did not have the desired effect that he wanted. It, did, it didn't help win the game. And, <laughs> sure, sure and if, it, it if it did, if he thought they're better off without him, but then what are we coaching with you for? <laughs> uh, I would have liked him to say, hey, he didn't shove you that hard. Don't let him put you out of the way. Like, you got to pick your battles better than that. I, I was so disappointed yeah. in that. Uh, it's a big game. I don't care about national TV. It's the Bucks, Right. You know, Bucks, that yeah. win for the Nets means something. For sure. For and I sure. just, it's yeah. uh, too, too bad. 
it, it, it was unfortunate, you know, and there were minutes. So you, you had that game on. I'm wondering what you thought. And he only played for a, a little bit, didn't play enough in the second half. And, you know, the, the Nash ejection may have Im- impacted that. But I thought the Ed, Edmund Sumner minutes were really good because he was the one player of the Nets that came off the bench along with Patty. They played with pace, coach. Like he raced to spots. He's athletic like, as hell. Yeah. That, that point that you mentioned about what, racing, like yeah. what? That he didn't settle, right? And he got to the rim, scored on Giannis a couple of times at the rim, which of course is no, no easy feat to do because they were backpedaling, right? But when you give a team like the Bucks a chance to set their defense, eh, it's really hard to score against. But they didn't do enough of that. Yeah, I, I think that that you know when you start watching film, if you're the Nets, they're they're talking about how do we get our guys to race more? How do we push pace more? Uh, it's better for Ben. It's better for our half court offense that we don't have to play it as much. It's, it's so, you know, they're so reliant on Kyrie and KD in that situation. Um, we're we're going to find out, you know, who's coaching their team because uh, we're only, in most cases, four or five games in. Some, you know, Milwaukee, I think he's played three games. Um, there's a, so far, no one is going to remember this week. Nobody's going to remember this week. Um, so you better learn from it. And we'll find out who does. And we'll be talking about it, you know, every week, who's not getting better. And, uh, like the guy in Philly, I don't know he'll be around much longer because they're just, yeah. they're lifeless. They're not playing yeah, well. They're lifeless. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up this combo on the Nets, two things struck me from the postseason, uh, postseason, post-game yeah. uh, press availability. Durant really calling out Sumner's when it, um, minutes and mentioning what you said, Coach. He's really athletic yeah. and young and gets it, like, get racing. Almost like, I read it almost as Durant being like, I'm kind of old and I don't do yeah. that. It's great that we have a young guy who right. can do that. Um, we need more of that. One. And then two, Kyrie was asked about Ben. Again, he kind of got a little bit ticked off because there's a video that went around when Kyrie had gotten the ball back to Ben really close to the basket and Ben passed it back out he to KD. KD made the shot, but you hear Kyrie saying, Ben, shoot it. Yeah. Like, and then so in that post game, they was asked about about Ben and Kyrie's like, guys, like, like, you know, lay off him essentially. Like it's been two years, like he needs time. So I enjoyed the fact that Kyrie, like, even though in that moment, he was mad at him for not shooting, but in the post yeah. games, like, guys, get off his back, give him, give him time to develop. We're here to positively affirm him. So that was nice leadership, I thought. I, I, um, I agree with you. And honestly, I don't, I don't like asking players questions like that. I, I'm, no. I work for a media company. I have some ownership of a media <laughs> company. I, I'm not a journalist. I didn't study journalism. I did write for UPI in college because I could write a little bit, but I, I just, I don't know all the rules you guys have to follow, but uh, what are you going to get Kyrie to say? Either he's going to cover for his guy or he's not. And that's what you're hoping right. for. And that bothers me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm glad Kyrie just shut it. Keep that stuff internal. Um, however, that's, that's on the coach. I, I've said it before. I go way back in the day with Giannis and his three point shooting and, and Ben is three point shooting. When you don't take the shot you're supposed to take for us, I'm taking you out. I'm, I'm going to put you back in until I stop putting you back in. But the only way I can get you to understand the gravity of your mistake when you don't take shots you're supposed to take that we have earned for you or you've earned for yourself in some cases is to remove you from the rotation or at least from the game and let you ponder your mistake so that you don't do it again. Because nothing else has worked. It'd be different, Gerard. If when a player makes a mistake and you coach him up with your voice and the response is good, he does better the next time, the next few possessions, whatever. Of course, mistakes will happen again and again, but preferably not possession after possession. None of that has worked for Ben Simmons. I don't care what his excuses are. When you don't take, I saw him pass up a dunk. Maybe in the same play, I don't remember. When you don't finish the one shot you're supposed to finish at the rim, and you're coming out. Just run right to the bench if you want to. But you're not playing anymore until we put you back in later and give you another chance. But one way or the other, either you're going to figure it out or we're going to figure it out and stop playing you. What we're not going to do anymore is continue to play five on four when you're in the game. That's on coaching. You got to stop being so worried about their ego that you don't hold them accountable to how they're supposed to perform on the court. That is not saying bench them when they miss the shot. That's bench them for not even trying. You're out. And I'll put you back in, maybe. And if you don't do it again, I'm taking you out. And they'll put you back in, maybe, until the point is, I no longer play you. I no longer believe in you. And the next time you play might be because of injury or foul trouble. We'll give you some time. I believe in that. 
We're not asking you to make the shot. We're asking you to take it. That you have to hold them accountable for. And I think, you know, what you mentioned there, Coach, that's the subtle art of coaching, right? Like, there's no need to go into the media and berate him or anything like that, right? This is something you say you, ha- you handle yep. internally, but you hold them accountable. Yeah. I had a player once who really struggled with himself in a, in a confidence issue. He was 6'10", very athletic, very wealthy kid, and um, didn't really like being tall. And I, but I had trained him four times a week. He was one of my best clients. Uh, privately, this was a high school kid in the 90s. And um, I remember a big, big game at the University of Florida pra- practice court because they have a separate court for practice. You know, the Gator coaches are watching. We're playing a very, very good AU team. Uh, and um, he just, he wasn't playing with like, like a- aggressiveness. And I love this kid. I still, we're still very close. He's almost, probably 40 now with three kids and done very, very financially in business. But I, he was 16 years old and I just kept taking him out. And I would kind of hold his forearm and he was six foot 10. He's very tall. And I'd look up to him and say, I'm never going to raise my voice to you. I'm just going to keep taking you out. And finally, like after the fifth time, he got mad. He got it. And then he came back in and was fucking a monster. <laughs> and <laughs> Dean Smith visited him twice. It tells you how good he was as a player. <laughs> yeah. But he woke up. That it doesn't work. That Sometimes you can yell at a guy. Some guys you can kick in the ass. Some guys you can't. I don't think you should get in the ass. Just take him out. Right. Keep taking him out. Put in a guy that actually wants to dunk the ball. And then you bring back Ben, bring him back and, until either it clicks or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. No, that, that I, I love that. All right, moving to the other team, we said this will be the last day we talk about them. Uh, Philly, one and four, um, lost to the Raptors last night. Offensively looked clunky, not real great. Um, I mean, again, we talked about it last week. It's early, don't lose your minds, but they're not look something. We talked about it on Monday. You said from reporting you've the, the locker room's okay. No one's mad at anybody yet, but something just isn't looking right over well, there. Well, here's what's not looking right. I, and I put this in the document that one, I don't know if you saw the video, is mm-hmm. James Harden and Tyrese Maxey taking turns trying to play ISO ball against Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. Hey, good luck. Bad. Hey, good luck with that. Right. <laughs> J- James, so I, I think I said on a show once, I thought James would be good about four times in 10. About 40% of the time, give or take, he's going to be unguardable. Ain't going to be nine, nine, 9 out of 10 like it was when he was in Houston. Well, he's three for five. Pretty good. Better than I predicted. We'll see how things go. It's also early in the season. It's going to get worse, I think, as time goes on. But either way, going up against Siakam or Fred Van Vliet's no day at the beach. Not an easy play at all. But there's no movement. There's no not, There's nothing. It's just you play ISO. No, you play ISO. No, you play ISO. Bing, 24-second clock you know, is coming. I have to take some crazy shot. You've got to have something going on. I don't see that team uh, responding to Doc Rivers. And I see, and I'm trying to read eyes and faces, and it's not an easy science. Doc seems like he knows, like, they're just not, they're not responding to me. Whatever he's saying ain't working. They were fine. They just you need to be better than fine. Toronto's very good. Very good. And um, Philly's not. So I don't think there's any reason panic at all. I, I had no team winning more than 53 games in either conference. We're a long way from anyone being worried about stuff like that. Uh, and maybe a team will win 60 and run away with it. But I think it's super bunched together. You just got to start playing better. And uh, I'm just wondering when, when uh, Daryl makes the move. The owner ultimately makes the move to bring in someone different, yeah. have a different voice. And this is, you know, and we, we've known this covering this league for a long time. Sometimes the voice gets stale, yeah. right? And the players need to hear the message. Maybe it's the same message, but from a different person delivering it differently, right? right? Like that, that's just what, what needs to happen. You know, we don't know what, you know, how long Doc is for this, how much he wants to do it. Like we've said it before. I like Doc a lot. Like he's great. I, and I think he's a very good coach. I just wonder how much more he wants to keep doing this, right? Like in terms of really dialing in and getting these guys ready to do what they have to do. Um, you mentioned the ISO ball thing. You know, it's so funny because we're, we're watching, and I remember something we said earlier, you said earlier in the season, nobody plays offense like the Golden State Warriors, right? And I think not every team. I've watched almost two-thirds of the league now on offense. And I'm like, you're right. You know, most of these teams walking the ball up. All right, let's get into our single high pick and roll. Get the matchup we want of our best guy on the weak defender. Great. And everybody else just stand around. 
I would say of all the other, Denver probably plays with the second most action, right, of teams that the I've Spurs seen. The Spurs are up there. OKC is up they, there. They, they those those two teams are not nearly as talented as right. these other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, – well, that leads us to the third team we're not going to talk about again is <laughs> the Lakers. And I want to connect it to what you said about Doc. Um, it's, it's just so demoralizing to watch LeBron James just not care. Uh, I watched all eight of his turnovers. I don't care that he turned the ball over eight times. Nearly as much as I care right. about how he only got back on defense half the time. He, uh, he might be saving energy. I don't know what for. It won't matter if they don't make the playoffs. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's just a lack of fight. There's a lack of joy. Uh, and there's a fatigue factor that um, old guys have. And that's why Brent mentioned Doc. He might just be tired of it all. Like, these are not lazy men to get where they've gotten. They've right. been working their of ass off forever. They're tired. They're old and tired. And so Doc, I'm sure, would be more spirited if his team was better. But this is the challenge is you've got to bring that spirit when you're not doing well. And uh, LeBron is just not providing it for L.A., who did not shoot well, but neither did Denver last night. Um, there's, there's no joy in Lakerland. And there's no joy in Sixerland. And leaders have to provide that. MB is not great at doing that. Doc's got to do it. Maxie's too young. Doc's got to yep. do it for Philly. And LeBron, AD, have to do it for LA. Ham's brand new, still winless as a coach. And um, they're just, they're not providing the leadership they need. Yeah. And, you know, you, you define leadership as breathing spirit into the hearts and minds of others. And, you know, I, I, I said this the other day, and it's on another show. And look, we, I have no idea. If, because I don't have a crystal ball, the Draymond Green pool situation is going to derail this season for the for the Warriors. I, I can't tell you that. But what I can say is, to your point about leadership, the fact that they have Curry gives them a chance for it not to derail their season. I think I think you're exactly right. And I would throw in Kerr also. Um, he's, there's something about Coach Kerr where, very competitive dude. I think he picks his spots better. Um, I don't know that anyone in this league could handle Draymond as long and as well as Steve Kerr has. And I think it's because Draymond recognizes deep down, he actually cares about me, which is not something that's common in the NBA. I built a business based on that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Steve Kerr really cares about Draymond Green as a person and, um, he's a human being and we don't have a lot of that. So, um, most of these guys are afraid. They're just afraid. We're going to get into it. We talk about Colin Sexton later and what his comment his dad made. We're not coaching up our guys well enough. We're not caring about them as individuals well enough. And because that, we're not holding them accountable the way we should. And so it's, it's affecting the way they play. It's affecting the product overall. And, you know, one of the, as you mentioned, you built a business around this. That's one of the advantages. And I, and I think, you know, oftentimes fans, and I get it, right? Like, you turn on basketball and I'm speaking to fans because whatever's going on in your life is terrible, horrible. And you want to be entertained for two and a half, three hours and watch your team. You don't want to hear about the psychology of players. And like, you don't care. You're like, you're making millions of dollars. Like just entertain me and do what you're supposed to do. But to your point, there isn't enough of that caring about their humanity. Right. And the teams that don't do that well enough are teams that struggle. Right. Like, because it's, we talk about it, it's hard to win in this league really really hard so if i'm already showing up to work and that's what this is work and i feel like the coach doesn't care about me the organization well why am i going to come and do my best effort when this place doesn't give a shit right and it's and that's the point about teams that are able to form relationships and show they actually care like in golden state right again like i said i don't know that they're gonna win the championship this year but that culture gives them a chance to, all right, we can move past this and get better in the long run. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've read all the articles over the years. There's not that many. There's a few really good ones about Pop and the Spurs and his, mm-hmm. you know, how quickly he'd go take him out, take the team out to dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, there's one article, maybe Baxter Holmes wrote it, where um, if you, P- P- Spurs players, including retired ones who live in San Antonio or visiting, would go into the offices to find out, hey, where's Coach Pop for lunch today? During the off season, especially, but anytime, really. Yeah. And then they'd show up because he would always pay for their, their meal and they wanted a free meal. <laughs> Players love doing that. Why, who wouldn't? Um, but, you know, Pop isn't perfect. We, we can criticize Pop all we want. Uh, 
But um, he's done that pretty damn well. And talking to players who played for him, um, like they always felt seen. They've always felt seen. I think I may have told you the story where uh, one of my guys got traded there. He ended up here in a buyout acquisition. And he was supposed to meet Coach Pop and um, for the first day. And he said, I'll be there to pick you up for breakfast. And then Pop texted him and said, hey, I'm running late. My wife's still getting chemo and it's running late. And the, the player said, coach, I'll just take a cab and I'll see you there. He's like, nope. Mm-hmm. We're having breakfast first. Just give me a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And that just says all you need to know, yeah. man. He's going to see that player. And that is not something that's so common in this league. And we'll talk more about it later. But uh, and we need to see more of it. And that connection and that relationship allows Pop as a coach to coach you hard and hold right. you accountable, right? right? If I don't have that bond with yeah. you, I can't do that, right? And I think, again, that's what's missing. So, you know, again, early, but this is what we're seeing with, with a lot of these teams. I, I, I was watching something interesting. I said I've watched almost two-thirds of the league, um, and I'm going to watch Dallas again up close tonight uh, in Brooklyn when I go there. Um, I feel they have a Luka Doncic problem, but not in the way that he's not great. Of course he is. I feel like they rely on him way too much, and it's that hardened, heliocentric offense, which, look, James Harden won one MVP and probably should have won three. And, 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 and they have won a championship, one for Chris Paul's hamstring. Yeah. Correct. I Correct. guess the super team. And, and Luka may take them to, but we know there's a cost to yeah. that, right? And it's the miles it puts on your body. And at some point, you're going to wear down when you have to do everything. And we're not really running a system where, to your point, all five guys are weaponized. Am I seeing something wrong or are you seeing something? No, uh, you, you know, uh, you're right. And it's, there's a bigger story here in which this, what we're talking about is coaches actually having a coach and that doesn't just include connecting with your players more. Um, there's a head coach I know of who is interested in getting better at his set plays, whether it's called from the uh, bench, whether it's ATOs. Um, I love hearing stories like that. That a guy just, he, I just got to get better at doing that for my career. Um, but the easy way out is give it to your stud. It's what Philly's doing too much. It's what Dallas is doing too much. Uh, it's harder to win that way. And um, especially over time, as teams adjust to you in the postseason, you wear your guy out, all of it. Uh, it's great to rely on Giannis. I was talking to Henry about this morning. Nothing against Bud. Great to rely on Giannis. He's incredible. But can he continue to be incredible all the way through June? Tough call. Uh, and now Chris Middleton will help a great deal. But um, I, we have a show called Tactics for a reason. Uh, we, you've, got to, you've got to start being more tactical in your attack, I think, in your approach on both ends to, to guarantee success going forward. Because I think the teams that are, as long as they have management doing a good job of bringing talent in, they'll have more success as we've seen Golden State have. And it gives you versatility, right, Coach? Like, the 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 common uh, refrain we always hear is, is like, yeah, but in the postseason, that stuff doesn't work because everybody knows your sets. Okay, maybe that's true. But if I can have my, on the one hand, all five guys weaponized, right, as my, my main offense, and also I've got a stud who can break you down one-on-one, well, now good luck stopping me because if you buck all that up, I still have one of the best players in the world. Good luck stopping him. Right. We can we can beat you either way. But I think when I know it's all focused on one thing and we see it, it's just too hard. It's way too hard. I completely agree. And um, it just requires real work from the coaches, not just the head coach by any stretch. It's not just the head coach. And the and you got to get the players to buy in. You got to get them to believe the way Steve Kerr got his team to believe a long time ago when he first came up with our art. You know, we call the Cuisinart. art. That's not where they played under Mark Jackson. And and he Steve uh, Steph Curry is good enough where you could just play ISO with him, pick and roll sure. ISO. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would have had zero championships, in my opinion. Uh, Draymond Green would be just an average player. You know, he wouldn't be the facilitator that he is offensively uh, because you wouldn't ask him to be. And um, I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see that continue to evolve in the right direction. I think it might. We'll see. And that, I mean, I love that final point on the Warriors and bringing it back to the Nets. Last time I bring them up on the show. (laughs) That point about Draymond, though, look, we know what his flaws are offensively. They're very obvious, but that system masks all his flaws, right? Or most of them. Conversely with Brooklyn, 
We know Ben's flaws, but that system ain't masking them, right? Because all five guys are not weaponized to cut, move fast, and do all those things. And that, you know, that's your, that's your Well, how many times I've not watched every second of Simmons' minutes? How many times you were in a handoff, a vertical handoff with him, he fakes the handoff, turns the corner, and gets a dunk? How many times did that happen? Zero. Once, maybe, yeah, all right. season? Zero? That's, Zero or that's, once. Draymond does it. Yeah, all there's the a lot of things you can do with a guy like Ben that can't score outside 11 inches. You just, you have to do it. You have to demand him to do it. And um, Nash knows. Yeah, Nash knows. Nash, Nash used to run a play. It was probably more of a read, but he used to get deep in, in a vertical penetration, like the middle third of the court attacking. And then as he would get to maybe the six, seven foot mark, Sean Marion would come on like for a deep handoff. And then Steve would just kind of flip it. Marion would turn the corner, boom, dunk. So very, I think it was probably a read, but also it was probably an action that, they called for that. Very hard to guard. Ben Simmons could do that in either position. He could do it off a Kyrie handoff, or he could do it as a driver and then dish it off a little bit. They just aren't. They're just a lot of standing around. And um, a lot of standing yeah, it's, around. It's just easier to guard that way. Uh, Phoenix Suns talking about a good team. Um, so off season, you know, the, the postseason for them last year ended not the way they wanted. The DeAndre Ayton situation, the Robert Sarver situation, and I came in, and a lot of people, rightfully so, were like, uh. Bad juju, things may not work out so well for them. Again, early, don't lose your minds, but three and one. Uh, looking very good on both sides of the ball. Um, no Jay Crowder, and they're still performing performing well. I thought that game against Golden State on Tuesday night was, was pretty interesting. Of course, we'll talk about the Clay Booker thing, but when you're going up against the champs, right? There's still that fight in Phoenix, right? Like they're like, look, we know they're, they're the champs, and Clay can yell four rings. He's absolutely right. They do have four rings. But we're going to compete against them. And you saw Phoenix compete. Now, I don't know if this means they're going to win a championship or anything like that. But it means that it may not be over quite yet in Phoenix. Yeah, I I don't know what podcast, probably ours. But um, I, I didn't think they would have much of a problem. Other than losing Jay Crowder means they're one rotation player shorter than they were before. I, I'm glad Cam Johnson's there. Uh, he's a better player, in my opinion. Um, but to me, Sarver's gone. Aiden got the full boat. Every penny he could want, he got. I know you don't like how it happened, but they're still paying you, man. Mm-hmm. I did it's not okay. think he'd be a problem. Uh, Book is ascending. That's my argument. Yes. Uh, he was in my fringe MVP candidate because he, he could get it, and he still could. I wrote that preseason. And so, yeah, they're, you know, Chris Paul is not doing much, and it hasn't really mattered so much. I think they're going to – I think they're, they're – when we do our rankings, they'll be in there for me. They're Yeah, yeah. they're everything – you know, some teams have did the Lakers disappointed. Philly's been very disappointing. Phoenix has been about what I thought they'd be. Same as Milwaukee. Um, no, F- Phoenix has been great. I-, I love the competitiveness, the fight. Um, so I want to go to that Warriors game. And the game meant something to the Warriors, too, because they, they were, were for sure trying to win because, you know, th- this is a team yeah. that was very good in the regular right. season last year. So Clay got a nice uh, strip on Book going up for a shot. Um, and, you know, let, let, let the young fella know about it. And, you know, Book as is want for book. And actually I want to stop right there. Coach quickly tell that story about book in warmups about the game. You have to play when you're practicing. He did, he did when he's coming coming out of the draft when it's like, all right, you miss a shot. You get off the floor. He's like, yeah, but I didn't miss. Why? Oh, I don't know this. Get story. Those guys. No, you I told me. This if story. I did, I don't remember it. I'm an old man. <laughs> an old man. He's forgetting. So, all these so what was the story? So, essentially it was that Booker in, and this might've been his son's workout yeah. where there's a, there's a, a drill you do where you don't leave the floor uh, until you miss a shot. Okay. And, but Booker kept making, he's like, okay, well I'm going to stay out here, but they had to let other guys get through. He's like, no, fuck that. Let them get off the floor. I'm making it. I'm staying. And you had told me at the yeah. time he was 19. You love yeah. that mother. I love it right now. Right now. Yeah. There, there, listen, that dude, I wrote this when I put him in the MVP uh, candidacy. He plays with an edge. He plays with an edge. But I, I also love how he responded post game to the fight. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I, I love Clay Thompson. I thought that was so cool. I love Clay. Like, I wanted to be Clay. But, you know, what does that mean? No, we're going to compete. Yeah. Like, that, that's just how he is. And, you know, we've, we've criticized, I've been critical of guys like LaMelo Ball who aren't as competitive as I'd like to see. Well, this is the example of extreme competitiveness. Chris Paul is no different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I prefer that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I want that as my, for my children, 
but I'm saying professional <laughs> basketball players, I think it, as long as you can carry yourself in a classy, elegant way with your teammates, uh, that edge really matters. Book, book really brings it. Yeah. It's Steph Curry's the same way. You know, you can yeah. book that book's not a smiler. I remember, I remember talking to Corey Brewer one time, Corey, if you remember, always smiling, always mm-hmm. happy, mm-hmm. but he wanted to murder you. He wanted to embarrass you. And I remember talking to my son about it one time and um, Max just couldn't do it. He just, he, he didn't have a smile about him. He did in baseball, not in basketball. He just couldn't do it. And, uh, but I, I thought he'd be better off if he did, because I think sometimes you can tighten yourself up too much Yeah. for book. Yeah. He's, he's got it. Like book's okay with it. He, he, there's nothing, he ain't smiling. Kobe was the same way. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Everyone's different. We all are different. You can't copy someone else if it's not natural. But I really think the Suns feed off that. Like, they, they're, they're angry. They're, they're angry what happened last year to Dallas. They're angry what happened in Milwaukee. They've got, they've got no excuses. Fuck Jay Crowder is probably what they're thinking. Like, he said all the right <laughs> things to us. By the way, when he, he was quoted yesterday during the, uh, I think it was a couple of nights ago during the telecast, uh, oh, it's in the document. I put it in there where yeah, Chris, Chris Haynes reporting. Yeah, with Chris Haynes reporting it. Right, exactly. Where he said, I like two years, my teammates, whatever. He didn't mention the coach. He didn't mention management. Mm-hmm. I thought that was mm-hmm. obviously very telling. And mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. wrong. I think he's lucky to have been on that team. And I think Cam Johnson's better. And he's letting that get the best of him, I think. Uh, I had a player that I coached for a long time retire yesterday at 35, I think. It ends fast. The, the end comes suddenly. And uh, you, you, every game you don't play that you could have played, it should carry some regret to it. And I, I yeah, feel for Jay. Sure. It's too bad. Um, yeah, to, to put a bow on yeah. that, I, again, I, I, loved, I loved what Book said after the game, as you do. And he said it in his, in his post game. Because, you know, like, they won the game, yeah. right? Blow, ended up blowing them out. They good, yeah. Haynes is talking on post game on the floor. He's not smiling, right? He's like, oh, man, you know, I love Clay Thompson. It's competition trash talk. He said four rings, and it's true. They got four rings, but that don't mean I'm not going to compete right, right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and he said, you know, that guy was the best two guard. I wanted to, I wanted to be just like him when, when he came up. I love Clay Thompson, but I'm going to – essentially, I'm going at that dude's neck when we play. After it's all good, we're friends. Like, you know, things go on, but you're, you're going to battle. And I think Book – I do love that about him. I love that competitive nature that he has. And you think you're right. The, the Suns feed off of it. Look, he was all NBA first team last year, right? Like – he is excellent. I think to your point, he is ascending. If he plays like an MVP, yeah. Well, I, I, and Cam Johnson can get better, and Mikael mm-hmm. Bridges get better, DeAndre Ayton can get better. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering. We've never talked about this, but I don't know what Jay Crowder's problem is. But um, yeah. I, I wouldn't enjoy playing for a coach that talked about Jesus every third word. Well, that, that could I, be I have good. no idea, and I like Monty Williams very much. I have no problem with how he worships, but I don't need to hear about it. Like, I think it's a made-up bunch of bullshit. You don't, so good for you. Uh, But you wouldn't like it if I was in charge and kept telling you I think it's all made-up bunch of bullshit. Why do you think I enjoy hearing you say Jesus every third word? (laughs) So I wonder if If, if that's the case. And and now, in some cases, I know this for a fact, there are coaches who talk that way. There's one famous famous Uh story of a former coach who everyone on the team knew had a mistress because mm-hmm. she used to be with one of the teammates on the team. And he was married. I was talking about God. Uh-huh. And they're like, coach, like she was on the plane we with know you the last week, man. Uh-huh. Like, so he got fired. Um, I don't think that's the case with Monty. I think he's a no, very no. earnest, honest man. But uh, I just, I wonder to, I mean, I could see not wanting to play with a bad team, but this team could win a ring. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. You know, here's something interesting about to that point. I wonder if, and you would know this from an X's and O's standpoint, if Monty leans too much into the breathing spirit and motivational stuff and not as much into, let's switch up some things like how we run plays and sets and that kind of thing. What do you think about that? I think that's possible, but I don't think that's what Jay's concerned in because he's, either way, he's going to be playing off the ball. He can't really do much with the ball. Um, uh, he may not, that's just not a great reason to not show up and demand a trade. He says it's not about playing time. Typically, it's about playing oh, yeah. time and money. That's about play- Normally, it's one of the other, <laughs> yeah. playing time or money. Yeah. So maybe it's something different. I, I'd love to find out what it is. He, according to Chris, it, it's something we may hear about. 
Yes, he will tell his truth at some point. Yeah, that'll apparently. be interesting. Meanwhile, Phoenix is rolling, and they look pretty damn they good. Are. They are. They look very good. So kudos to, to the Suns. Um, so something interesting happened around Colin Sexton, um, and I'd love for you to talk about yeah. it. it. has to do with coaching, right? Which is basically kind of the theme of this, right? Like, as David always says, coaching matters, and we're not coaching guys enough in the NBA. Yeah, his dad – well, do you want to read the quote? I don't, I don't know where yeah, it was I, from. I, I don't remember where he said this at. But his dad was talking so, about this exact thing. Mm-hmm. I talked with Colin Sexton's dad before the game, and he was talking about what Mike Conley does for Colin, how it's the best thing that's, that's ever happened to Colin, to have Conley around, that Colin's learned more from Conley in training camp than he's learned in his entire career. And, well, that's, that's a pretty damning statement, right? Yeah. If a player is teaching you more, that's something we should think yeah, about. Yeah, that, that, not, they're, not, they're the highest-paid coaches in the league when they're, when they're doing the coaching because <laughs> they're making a lot of money as a player. Um, I think there are some coaches who coach and there's too many that don't. They're playing players. They're not coaching them. They might hold them accountable to follow the system, although often they don't, but they're not, they're not necessarily example would be, I had a player tell me his coach told him, Hey, don't let Harden get to a step back three. <laughs> I mean, that well, was it. I know that that was it. No, <laughs> the guy, that's why the player, they, what do I do? How do I prevent him from doing the step back three? Not, not an easy answer, by the way. But this is, that's an example of what's happening. And uh, it's, it's, it's a shame. And we know the bad teams are because their players don't typically get better. And then even worse, sometimes one does. And they think, well, the others are at fault. No, you just drafted a guy that didn't need you. He might have his own team helping him. He might just be a genius. But the, the, the general population improving is where you know they're doing some real coaching, you know? Like the Spurs have Trey Jones has gotten better, Devin Vassell is getting better, Pirtle's getting better, Johnson's getting better. It makes a difference that they're coaching those guys. Yeah. It um <laughs> I love it. Don't let Harden get I'm like, I mean, I can tell it. I can, right? That's what I'd Trust say. Me. Hey, uh, don't let that guy get to a step the back. The player <laughs> is a is follows the NBA very closely. He knew. Right. Yeah. He knows, right? Like yeah, w- w- I know that, but let's talk about tack. Like, right. what would I? What should I do position wise right. to help me not let him get to a step back right. three? I I wonder too, because just something you could talk about too. There's a fine line, right, when you're coaching over 82 games. These guys aren't practicing, yeah. as we talked about, right? So that's problem number one. And you don't want to be beating these guys over the head for 82 games either. Plus playoff, right? It's it's a lot. So. How do you work on finding the right balance to do your coaching? Well, you got, you got to know your people. How are they responding? Uh, you've got to utilize your assistants. So, for example, uh, there's a coach I know who creates uh, clips for his, t- his player. He's helping one player on his team um, specifically, and the guy gets clips before every single game. What to look for offensively, what to look for defensively. I don't really know. I don't see the clips, but I'm assuming that's what he's doing. Uh, that's always helpful. Helping them come up with a game plan. Uh, you can't overdo it. You can't, you can't prepare a player for now you know, think about it. The teams are switching all the time. Um, if you're playing the bulls, you got to prepare for DeRozan. You got to prepare for IO. You really got to prepare for Zach Levine. Uh, those are three distinct talents to prepare for. Uh, I have Kobe White's a shooter. Like Pat Williams is a big dude. Goes out for the glass, Huge, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lonzo, when he's back, it's hard. You can't overdo it. So I always like to take the approach of, you've got to do some as a player, and then I'll try to sprinkle in and round it out and give you even a better education on the topic at hand. So in a sense, we're meeting halfway or even 60-40, my, me to you. Um, some guys need to kick in the ass, and so you got to challenge them and say, what are you fucking doing? I've written that text like, what the fuck was this? Or what were you? Sometimes I'll send a clip up to a player and say, what were you thinking? Or what do you think you should have done? Sometimes I'll be, I'll just tell them. I don't want them to get it wrong. They already got it wrong in the game. I don't want to get it wrong twice. I'm just going to tell them, no, this is what you needed to do. And um, mostly they, they're thrilled if they can play better because of it. Better play equals more money, more wins. It's easy, you know? And just, we're not, we're just, the teams that are doing it are going to run away from the teams that don't. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and these guys want to get better, right? They, they want to play. They, I mean, no one wants to look terrible yeah. on TV. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone's different, but yeah, typically they want to be better. 
Ah, speaking of youngsters and people who can, who are playing well, but can get even better. Oh, uh, now we'll wait on that. Um, Warriors, you know, since we talked about the Warriors yeah. and how great they are as, as a team. Yeah. So an article in CNBC uh, came out today. Uh, the Warriors, the business side of the team, aims to be the most valuable franchise in all professional sports. Right now, they are number three, I believe. Don't, don't behind, tell me too. Don't uh, tell me. Would it be uh, a Spanish soccer team? So I don't know if they put the European football teams on this list. Uh, right now, only America. Oh. There's two American teams above that. So got to so, be NFL football, right? Dallas Cowboys is one, correct. Yeah, I don't know. The Rams, maybe? <laughs> and then the Yankees. Oh, Yankees. The Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yes. baseball, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm like, why isn't Real Madrid or FC Barcelona right. up there or a Man U, Man City? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Right. But maybe they didn't include the, Euro- the European football teams. Anyway, I thought this was interesting because we talk about how the Warriors have huge commitment in salary and luxury tax next year. But yeah. as an organization, they were the most profitable team uh, last season. Uh, their earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization last year was $230 million, somewhere around there. It's pretty good, pretty good when you got when you got all those all those uh, expenses to worry about. And I think why I bring up the business side of this, this is the light years. This is Joe Lacob's vision, right? This is why they're running two timelines. If we can win on the floor and at the same time turn the Warriors into an entertainment thing, well, now you're you're cooking with gas, right? Now the the team is generating so much revenue. All right, I'll pay luxury tax. I'll do all these things. We will keep this thing going and you could potentially create something where they run off with a bunch of titles, right? And it's like, because we have figured out the hoop side and the business side, but none of that can happen if you don't have the elite talent on the floor. And that starts with Stephen Curry and boy, what a, what a, what a, what a gem and a, and a gift in many ways, right coach? Because he had, Bad ankles early in his career. I mean, they could have moved on from him and none of this would have been possible. So, so much of it is serendipity and luck. And they, they were lucky enough to stick around and, and, and bet on Steph Curry. Yeah, they, they earned their luck. They, they helped him uh, deal with those ankle issues. There's been articles about it. Uh, it strengthened his core and all that kind of stuff. He certainly worked incredibly hard too. Mm-hmm. They all deserve credit, but I just, Sacramento could have drafted him. I wanted Sacramento to draft him. Uh, they, the Knicks could have drafted they them. Went for Tyreek Evans, who was just fine, but they were only thinking about tomorrow. Tyreek was a better player at that age. Huge mistake. Huge. Just enormous mistake. Who did, uh, who the Lakers, who the, who the Knicks take? Was it a big guy? Or the, yeah, Jordan Hill. Jordan Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Jordan Hill year. And I think to be fair, Knicks fans, it may have been that Steph wasn't on the board. Maybe they picked right after. I think you're right. I think Hill was nine and Steph was eight, maybe. Yes. But sorry, Knicks fans. Sacramento was at five. (laughs) And to me, there was a no brainer. Yeah. Well, it was them. And who who had two picks? The Timberwolves had two picks. (laughs) Yeah. And they went Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Nicely done, guys. Nicely done. Listen, it is what it is. Anyway, it's it, it is amazing, right? How it's just you, it's one one false move, and but it's this idea, right? Like the incentives are all misaligned. GMs are worried about saving their jobs, and it's like, well, this guy's better now, and it's like, okay, but so you're gonna win what two more games this year? Great. I I, I got it. <laughs> I heard a quote from that Kings interconference where they voted. Uh, I don't know how many guys and girls were in voting, but it's a good amount, and one person voted for someone other than Tyreek. I don't know who they voted for. Could have been for Curry. And uh, one of the top-level executives said, the only person who voted for Tyreek, didn't vote for Tyreek, uh, is the only one with a contract that goes beyond this year. Basically, they were just trying to win more games to keep their jobs. Yep. Meanwhile, they're all out of basketball, yep. pretty much those groups. And uh, Tyreek is long gone. And, long gone. And he was good. He was nice. He, I mean, they celebrated that he had the 25 and five as if that mattered. And they were losing by 40 every night. And they've just, you know, they just never, they've never been back. They've never made the playoffs. Meanwhile, you know, however many miles down the road yeah. in Oakland, this guy's winning championships. And Steph Curry, because they had to fucked him up. That, that ownership oh, oh, group yeah. would have fucked him up. That management group, they would not have known how to solve his ankles. They had to trade him in three years. Golden State deserves everything they got with him. No, and, and, and it's worked out well. So kudos to the Warriors. All right, so young teams coach, uh, young players who, who, who hope that they are going to find, not their Steph Curry, but their person for the future. 
What are you liking that you're seeing from the young guys? Paolo Bancaro, our, our guy, Benedict Matherin, Jaden Ivey. You're seeing some good stuff. Yeah, like so in like. the case of, of Bancaro, I like his aggressiveness. Um, uh, he just is a foul magnet. I didn't see – I watched some of the game last night. I don't know how many total foul, free throws he got, but he's getting fouled a lot. He's just a – he's a more athletic, more skilled Carmelo at this age in terms of handle. Um, and bigger, like almost 6'10". He's a huge guy. Uh, really like that. He's, he looks like a very, very special player. If he just continues to bring that motor, I don't care they're on four. You know, they're, they're being competitive. Ivy as a passer has been surprising. His speed was great. I was a huge fan. I had him, I had him second on my board. Jabari was first. He's just been okay. But uh, just wait on Jabari. There's a, there's a skill set about him as a shooter. 35% from three now. Shoots a lot of threes. He'll, he's going to develop an all-around game, I think. And, and I still think he'd be the best player in this draft. And Ivy, I still love even maybe more than McCarroll. Maybe I'm wrong. Bank Arrow was third on my list. So, um, but Ivy as a passer is, is a story. Uh, I don't mind his partnership with Cade. Some people are minding it. I don't. They both need to learn to play off the ball some. That's fine. And then Matherin is a very one-dimensional scorer. Uh, he can shoot. He can finish. He's crafty. He's athletic. He's powerful. Doesn't really know how to pass yet. The other guys are better. Powell's a good passer too. But, um, but he's a freaking scorer. And uh, the pays that be thrilled with with what they get from him, yeah, yeah. I, I actually I was surprised to see how adept Mat- Matherin is at scoring already. Yeah, really early good on his NBA career. I'm like, mm, this is so again with Halliburton and what they got, Indiana. You know, look, they're probably going to be in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. Oh, for um, sure. So you know, you pair him and Hall- with 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 that guy, that could be look out team of the future. So you know, uh, everyone who's going to be finishing in the bottom is hoping that's them. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Ivy and Cade learning to play off the ball. Yeah. Well, this goes this goes back to, well, what kind of system are you running? Yeah. Are you doing something where all five guys are weaponized? Because if you're doing that, then it works. As opposed to what I see, and I know you see by so many teams, when the stars got the ball, everybody else is standing in the corner just waiting. Which easier? Yeah. It's easier to guard that way. It's just it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a dinosaur. I do think it's going to be a dinosaur. It's going to take a long time because everyone's so worried about their jobs all the time in, in this league mm-hmm. that they're afraid to mess with stuff. But I think eventually, maybe 20 years even, we're going to see more and more mm-hmm. teams, a lot more movement, people, players, and ball, more tactics. Again, more tactics. So mm-hmm. that's the way they're playing in Europe because they have to, but that's how we should play too. I mean, and that makes sense, right? Like, as you said, we don't have to here because our talent's so good. But imagine tactics with Correct. elite talent. There's no reason well, why you can't have both. You- then you have the Golden State Warriors. That's right. Exactly. right? That's right. That, that's what you yeah. have. All right, guys, we're bringing back our top five. Uh, I think Coach and I are going to have the same five teams. I don't, know. Different orders. I don't oh, know. Oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe. All right. All right. So, go. so you go first. Start. We'll go five. Go start from yeah. five and then go I'm gonna to go number five, five for you. And it's going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are Ooh. one basket away from being undefeated at 4-0. And they, they play some good teams. Not amazing ones, but... Uh, and they've done it without Darius Garland, who got hurt first game. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive mm-hmm. they're doing this without one of their all-star guards. So I get them at five. How about you? Well, the Cavs are in my top five, just Ooh. not five. Number, number five, who, a team who I just killed because I don't like their style of play. But I'm like, well, you know, their numbers are what they are. The Dallas Mavericks. They're one and two, but, you know, they're doing stuff. So Mavericks are number five for me. I could not, you know, resist the numbers. They're, yeah, their margins are big, but that's because they beat they beat someone by 84 points. By 1,000 points, yeah. yeah. Uh, number five, I really have six teams. Let, let, me do, let me do my honorable mention team. I think okay. Toronto is right there. They're very yeah, intriguing. They're, right they're very intriguing. Um, they're, they're, their switchability is a problem. Pascal's playing out of his mind. Looks like a top 10 he player. He really is right just, now. I mean, we'll see how it goes. He 12 assists last night. No one can stand 13. in front of him. Yeah, 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Um, they just so made good. his first four threes. Uh, they just, yeah, they just come at you in waves. OG, it's kind of been up and down. Anyway, they're my honorable mention. Number four for me is uh, the Pelicans. Also, also in my top nice. five. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've done a good job and they just beat. The Dickens out of someone the other day. Well, it was a close game without Zion Ingram or Herb Jones. The Dallas, the, the Dallas Mavericks, Mavericks. Yeah, without well, all three of those guys. So they got it going on right now. I think they're supposed to. Those guys well, supposed to come back though. As we mentioned, when I when I talked to Coach's sons, uh, Coach Brew and, uh, Pannone, and Ryan yeah. Pannone, 
they are so hyped about this team. They're like, oh, no, we're going to be real good. I'm like, oh, I believe you guys. They're my top five as well, just not four. Four, Milwaukee Bucks, 3-0. and And they're incomplete right now. No no Middleton yet. Um, no Pat Connaughton. You know what? But listen, you got Giannis, and we always talk about this. Competing is a skill. Ain't nobody compete harder than that dude. So they're always going to be in the top five as long as he's playing. Yeah, I'll get to Milwaukee. Uh, number three for me at Boston. And uh, mm. this was, I, I probably, I really was leaning Toronto, but um, I think Boston, I, I didn't just do it based on how you played. You had to pass the eye test too. Like I looked mm. at all of it mm-hmm. and I'm very happy with what I'm, I didn't expect to see it as well as I have. Yeah. And so I've got him, I've got them in there and, I, and they're going to be here for the long haul. I, I, I had them just outside with Toronto because defensively I was like, mm, look, you know, how I feel about yeah, they need Robert Williams and, and Right. And listen, when you got Jason and Jalen, yeah. that's a hell of a place to start. You're better than almost every team in the league with those two dudes just to start. So they're right outside with Toronto for me. But number three, I had Phoenix Suns. Man, I, 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 I am Phoenix is my number two. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear your top two. Phoenix to me is uh, right where they need to be. They're, they're just yeah. workmanlike, businesslike, man, managing their business. And, um, they can those young players people keep forgetting those young players can get better all of them mm-hmm. including book so they yeah. just got to hang out with chris yeah. but mm-hmm. uh they can get better and maybe chris is doing the let me not expend yeah. too much energy right now because i'm old I as hell and i'm gonna save it till later it's fair to guess that he is all right who's your number who's your top two all right number two I'm a believer, man. Believe, Matt, man. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, you got that high. You really? I, I had him at five, I, so. I just, yeah. I, I, listen. I think I just realized who your number one team is. Of course you know yeah, now. Because I'm, I'm drinking the Coach Brew and Ryan Pannon <laughs> Kool-Aid, baby. New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. I have Milwaukee at one. Um, yeah. yeah. So I know we have the same, yeah, the same you're, teams. You're just right about, um, you know, they're, they're undefeated. They're going to play three games. But without Middleton, without Pat, uh, Brooke Lopez is a big key. Big he key. Huge. He looks very good. Big back. Yeah, so he's really he's in form, and it, it's a game changer for them. It's amazing when you think about. It. He was a minimum guy recently, but so much size at the rim, like huge, just, and he's shooting threes, yeah. and he's shooting a lot of threes. Yeah, they're good. So yeah, you got Pelicans at one. I mean, mm-hmm. he's coach of the year after one week and a half, not even a week and a half, week and two days, <laughs> um, to do what they've done without those guys against Dallas. Jose Alvarado looks great. Um, he does. Yeah, they're deep. CJ looks they're great deep too, coach. DJ looks good. They're deep. Yeah. And we talk about this all the time. Regular season's a marathon. You know what you need? Young, springy legs. You know what they got in New Orleans? A lot of young, springy legs, right? Yeah. Like, and that helps. That matters. And I, I just feel like there's something that they're all buying into right now. And that win against Dallas coming because they were down 20. Coming back in that game without their guys, they're like, yo, we're pretty good. And one of their losses, I don't remember who it was against, right before that, uh, I watched the game. And uh, I think I said this on Monday. Antonio Daniels said, uh, I have chills. It was the fans were amazing. We haven't seen that much from them. We yeah. just haven't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And Zion's no, as long as he plays this weekend, I'm, I'm writing about the Pelicans for next week. So if he ends up not playing, I'm, I'm going to put it off and write about them with him mm-hmm. healthy. But if he's healthy, that's our story for the week is New Orleans Luna. Kind of a grainy dive into what they're doing. Um, yeah. 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 I like. I like Spurs playing good. Devin Vassell looks great. Pelicans playing good. I like there's some new blood coming in. Warriors, Spurs, and OKC, I think, if I checked, if I remember correctly, top three teams in pace in the league. They're, they're definitely running great stuff, too. That's the teams I just said to you when you mentioned Warriors. that know OKC and San Antonio. Mm-hmm. They're running stuff. Mm-hmm. They, oh, oh, OKCs, I wrote about it in my preview, in my article this week. That's the coach of the year. After week so Daniel they, is actually running. Yeah, stuff, they, coaching. they're terrible in talent compared to their competitors, but they're competing and they're running great tactics. And yeah, yeah. The OKC has got the makings of a team. It's going to be three, four years down the road. I don't know what they'll do with Shea, but they're coaching their guys up and the, it's showing up, I think. So imagine when they get talent. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> Trey Mann's good. He's a yes. good player, a good young player, went to Florida mm-hmm. from, from our state. He's a good player. And uh, uh, as he ages, he's in his second year. Yeah, they're a team to watch. So we're going to do a bring our top five back every Thursday, guys. Um, just so you know, 
early in the season, my top five is going to look like this. I'm going to jump high on teams that are doing well for Spurs. But by the time we get to the halfway point, which is Christmas, I'm going to be like, all right, these are the serious teams in the five and everybody else is going to fall away, you know, and be who they are. But I'm, you know, but. I think Phoenix will probably stay up around there. I feel good about everyone but Cleveland. Everyone but Cleveland. Yes. And nothing against Cleveland. It's just unlikely they're deep enough. Yeah. But all those other teams, including New Orleans, I think are a fair mm-hmm. fair shot to win it. Yeah, they'll they'll they'll, they'll be up there. And then the Warriors will will reemerge, I'm sure, at some oh, point. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you what would you see about what did you really quick before we go? So we know the Warriors play the Cuisinart. But if you know if you noticed, when the second unit plays, they run a lot more pick and roll than the first Yeah, with Weissman. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering it's because that offense is hard to learn yeah. when you when you're young, and it's like, all right, guys, let's do some pick and roll. It's a little yeah. bit easier for you to understand. And, and it's good for James to be a pick and roll player. I also think the better they get with James, even the second unit, it's something to go to with the first unit also in the postseason. Just make teams defend the Cuisinart and pick and roll with Curry and Clay spacing out and James to the rim. You have to account for that. It's not so easy to do. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's smart. Try different things. Yeah. Smart teams do smart things, people. All right, everybody have a good weekend. We will see you next week. Take care.